0: Uh, special speaker. Uh, I'm excited to announce uh, he has been a Foursquare pastor for over 50 years. And uh, wow, that is that's intense um, to be a Foursquare pastor for 50 years. That's wow. Uh, the stories you could tell, I'm sure. Everybody, give a warm welcome to Jim Hayford. Thanks. Yeah, I need help after 50 years there. Yeah. Morning. Good morning. It's good to be back to Edgewood Church. It's been about a year. Nice to see you. I'm very grateful that the pastor actually trusted me with the pulpit in his absence. That's a good sign. You know? Yeah, well, that's good. And uh, he shared with me that he's been, uh, I don't know how far into this series of messages on post-its from God that's a neat concept and these little uh, messages that the Lord wants to get through to us you know in our busy lives and be reminded of how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and so I um, said I'd do one of those today never done that before but it sounded interesting and so I went on I went online and uh, put in post-its from God and uh, there was one that came up that caught my attention that someone had written uh, supposedly from god and it it really um, spoke to something that's been on my heart a lot lately when given the opportunity to speak to in different churches so it's a good jumping off place for me to talk about something that's you know i think needs to be talked about so the um The post-it that I'm referring to is, maybe they turned this off, do you want to just do it for me back there? (laughs) What's the problem there? Worked in last service. This is the post-it that um, I found on the internet, Uh, thanks, and so, so you can see it there. Uh, the Lord supposedly saying to us, uh, stuck a note on your door, stay close, don't wander off on your own. Now, I understand the sentiment of that uh, word from the Lord entirely, but I think it's incorrect. And I th- want to talk about it, not from a negative standpoint, but from the fact that I think that the, the church today in general is for some reason lapsed into a period of time in general not everyone uh, in general where we have a misconception of the presence of god and i believe that it is seriously compromising the effectiveness of the church in the community because of this and i've been thinking about this a lot praying about it talking to as many people as give me a chance to talk about it and and so you're the next ones on the list, are you ready for this? You know, uh, what was about a year ago that uh, Dan asked me to come and do a, a seminar uh, on the Holy Spirit, and I don't know, different people had different expectations of what that was going to be about. Maybe they thought it was going to be about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or it was going to be about speaking in tongues, or whatever. But And there were some people who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it was, it was a precious time. But those of you that were there, anybody in this service that was at that seminar? You'll remember that one of the things I said at the very beginning is a good thing for me to, to state here. And that is that a study of the Holy Spirit is a study of the presence of God. And, and when you understand that about the Holy Spirit, it straightens out a lot of the confusion and the mysticism of the Godhead and... Uh, And just exactly what the Holy Spirit is here to do the Holy Spirit is the manifested living presence of God God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit one God so it's not like you got a thing going on with God the Father you got a thing going on with God the Son and you got another thing going on with God the Holy Spirit I know it's hard to get our head around this and I don't know if you'll will ever completely do it but I'm gonna help you with a little bit today because it'll make a difference on where how you define your concept of the living presence of God in your everyday life now it seems to me that a lot of people you know I have the opportunity now since I retired uh, uh, pastoring Eastside Church up in Bothell uh, of visiting a number of different congregations during the course of any one of the last five years that I've been retired. So we get to, I don't know, 30 or 40 churches a year. And it's a joy and we have a great time in each and every one. Each one is unique. I'll tell you that's one thing about four square churches, there aren't two alike. I don't know if you've noticed that, but but they're all very unique expressions of the of the body of Christ, same basic doctrine. You know, of course, but just the way they do things is different. So it's it's fun to kinda to just kind of experience that and be a part of that and, and worship the Lord with these different groups of people in the ways that they do. But one of the things that seems to come up a lot, at least a lot more than makes me personally comfortable, is that there's this sense that God is someplace else and we have to get him in here. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so we'll spend a pretty good portion of our time. That didn't happen here today because you guys have got this figured out. But I'm still going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> we spend a good portion of our time kind of begging God to manifest Himself, to be present with us. And sometimes the ministers—I mean, I've done this over the years. I've probably did it thousands of times until I caught myself on it. And that is, we'll say things like, "Boy, I really sense." the presence of God here today. And uh, and I think there's people sitting there saying, I wonder what, kind of wonder what it feels like. Sure. I don't, <laughs> you know, or I do. And we have all these different mysterious concepts of what we mean when we're in the presence of God. But the way that we give ourselves away about that is that we're always, we're always saying things and acting like God's someplace else. And we need to get him with us. And just like this Post it note, you know, like it's like God saying, don't wander away. You know, I don't think some of us understand how hard it would be to do that. Now, I'm not saying it could not be done, but you've got to work really hard at it. I don't believe in eternal security, but I don't believe in eternal insecurity either. Do you understand the difference between those two terms? Like I'm always wondering where I stand with God, or if he cares about me, or if he loves me, or if he's close, or if he's gonna bless me, and all these questions about where's God? Well, the case that I want to make today here with in Scripture, and I'll just answer that question right here off the bat, is God is in you. If you are a child of God, if you have received Jesus Christ as your personal savior. By virtue of your confession of faith in Christ, the living God, according to the Bible, lives in you. Now, how many people, raise your hand, consider yourself to be Christians? Yes, it's about everybody, I think. Uh, How many of you would say that, yeah, I'm a child of God. I belong to God. Keep your hands up. It's okay. Yeah, I've been converted to Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there we are. So I'm talking to you right now and saying that if you believe that, then along with that, you've got to believe that you never leave the presence of God. Did you hear me? Now you say, I like that, but it doesn't feel like that. And that's the issue. We go by feelings. The reason we don't feel like we're in the presence of God is because somehow it doesn't feel like we are. Well, you have to ask yourself, what would that feel like? Or what do you think that's supposed to feel like in order for you to sense the presence of God? Now, do you need somebody playing an instrument in the background? Now, where do we get this idea that when it's time to give the invitation so the Holy Spirit can really work in people's lives somebody's got to get on a keyboard Now, listen it's okay it's nobody's gonna go to hell for that it's fine but where did we get that idea that you gotta have some give God some help you understand what I'm saying and there's nothing wrong with it except that we fall into the trap of needing soft music to behave ourselves during the week We need a special environment to sense God's presence wherever we are, wherever we go. Because we're kind of used to this stuff that has to happen to get us feeling that way. And there's nothing wrong with it. I love that feeling. But I need that feeling, quote unquote. I need that sense of the presence of God a whole lot more when I'm away from here than the little bit of time that I spend here. And besides... God doesn't live in buildings. Did you know that? Did, did you get that? No, well, I'm sure he doesn't live in a Seventh day Adventist building. I mean, good. You've got to cleanse the place, you know? We have all this hocus pocus that we do to get God in here as if he'd fit. Well, we kind of make light of it, but I'm telling you, we betray ourselves. Let me get back to my point. The fact that we think that we have to go to God, or that God has to come to us, or we have to set up a perfect environment or situation, keeps the church from being the church, 24 and 7. Because we're waiting for a sensation to get us off our dime. Well, let me let me make my point using the Bible. That's always best, you know. I want to give you some scriptures. I want to in response to the question, "Where where are you, God?" because I understand completely the feeling that God isn't around. I've I've had that feeling, but it's a it's a lie. Yeah. Did you hear me? Somebody once said that if you feel far from God, guess who moved? He didn't go anywhere. We're just not giving him our undivided attention. One of the beautiful things about corporate worship, and you got a ladies' retreat coming up, and I don't know if it can happen at the Rainier baseball game. Probably could if you let it. But the point of the matter is one of the beautiful things about the people of God getting together is that we actually give God our undivided attention for a few minutes. Did you hear me? And when you do that for a whole week in good grief, your life can be changed. That's what I've always liked about retreats, man. You go for two or three days and you're thinking about God all the time and He's doing a number on you. And I just wonder if we couldn't give God more of our undivided attention on just a normal day. Or does it have, does it have to be a retreat? Does it have to be a VBS? Does it have to be a church service? what about just practicing the presence of God being aware of the presence of God wherever you are whatever you're doing you can't do that if your concept of the presence of God is religious because then you're gonna have to act religious wherever you are or whatever you're doing and that's not gonna work so we've got to get a non-religious non-institutional concept of the presence of God to really know and experience and manifest His presence in the places where we spend most of our time. So you need to think about how that works. How does that work in your house? How does that work in your bedroom? How does that work in your dining room? How does that work in your cubby at work? How does that work at your workbench? How does that work in your classroom? How does that work at the gym because if it requires a glassy-eyed look on your face, people are going to think you're crazy. <laughs> or if you have to get your hands up in the air in order to please God, you know, I, I spent years struggling with as a young pastor, wanting to create the perfect environment where God would like what we were doing and bless us. And there was just so much sweat in that. I mean, what we. We're finally going to have this perfect Sunday morning when everybody does everything right. You know, everybody dressed right, everybody has deodorant on. I don't know. Everybody does everything right. Everybody gets their hands in the air. Everybody's jumping. Whatever your church does, I don't know. We have these different criteria for what's spiritual. So how high are they jumping? How loud are they clapping? How loud are they yelling? You know, there's just different ways we measure it. How quiet are they? I mean, different churches. So if we finally do everything right, then God's going to say, well, I think I'm just going to haul off and bless those people. They finally did everything right today. So I'm going to show up. Where do we get that performance idea? Do you think that you can make God show up? He's already there. You know how God got in here today? With you. Did you hear me? You brought him here. He wasn't here waiting for you. We used to sing this song when I was a kid at summer camp. It scared the bejesus out of me. I don't know if I should have said that or not, but anyway. It scared me to death. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. You remember that song, some of you? I used to be afraid to walk to my cabin in the dark. Because I knew that God was going to like pounce on me out there in the woods. And so we build these pictures and a lot of our music does this to us. And some of you have shaped your theology based on the music you like, not the Word of God. Did you hear me? Because we live in an entertainment culture. And we pay more attention to music than we do our teachers, and uh, we can, we got to be careful about that. Look what the Bible says. Well, it starts with Revelation three twenty, and you all raised your hand on this one a few minutes ago. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, and praise God, you did, and open the door, or open your you know exercise your will, open the door of your life. I will come in and eat, or literally live with that person and they with me that's the way it begins but notice that there's an entrance of the presence of God and it comes with your salvation it doesn't come with your religious calisthenics it doesn't come with your location my message today isn't on reading the Bible And I know that the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't live in a Bible. He lives in people. Let's look at a few more of these. Here's a good post-it note. It's a scripture, Hebrews 13, 5. And the Lord says, I will never leave you. You know, I did a word study on that word never in the Greek language. You know what it means? Never. It's <laughs> exactly what it means. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You know, talk about a promise. That's a promise that God keeps. You can't wander away from God without really, really working at it. It it doesn't happen by accident. I love this one in 1 Corinthians 6. You know, the the Corinthians were very interested in the Holy Spirit. And of course, I think most of you know that that 1 Corinthians is a letter of correction from the Apostle Paul to a group of people that were really, really very excited about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but were, were really messing it up. And he kind of begins his correction by saying, don't you get it? Don't you realize why are you complicating this don't 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 you realize that what this is all about is that your bodies are, are the temple of the Holy Spirit and everybody read the next few words who is in you that's what Jesus meant when he prophesied during his uh, ministry when he said and, Someday, the fact that John says he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who had not yet come. Someday, there's going to be a river of living water flowing. Where from? Where from? Where? Out of you. Not out of the rafters, you know. Oh, God, put me under the spout where the glory pours out. That's one of the old Pentecostal songs. The Holy Spirit is not into seizures. Seizures. Did you hear me? He works within people, within the context of your personality, within your circumstances, doing exactly what we prayed in our prayer today when we sang, Lord, I want more of you. But you need to understand something. Try and get, wrap your head around this because it's scripturally correct. This more of God is going to come from within you. You have to give place to this. It's not coming from here or there or the other place. You don't have to chase it down. You don't have to stand in a line somewhere and have somebody lay hands on you and get it from them. And Some of you are looking at me like, I like what you're saying, but there's something wrong with this. Something wrong with this guy. This doesn't sound spiritual enough to me. I'm talking, this is the essence of spirituality. Mature people who understand the living presence of God in their life, everywhere they go, in everything they do. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a church that cannot be stopped. That kind of church works anywhere at any time well, let me make my case a little bit a little bit more here look at this scripture this one ought to blow your socks off we got anybody here that came to church this morning want to get your socks blown off there's usually somebody that they're never gonna say that the God was there unless they get their socks blown off and you're already disappointed because I'm not screaming at you Look at this verse of Scripture. The same power. We Pentecostals like that word. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. Would you say out loud those next words? This is not a paraphrase. This is the Bible. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you 24 hours a day seven days a week, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you want that to be the case. Now, I would say that this power that raised Jesus from the dead, as well as, as, well as you might measure power, is pretty powerful. What would you say? I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to remember I don't care what kind of a personality you have. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. There's no qualifiers here. I want you to ask the Lord to tell you what the implications are in your life that that kind of power resides in you by virtue of the presence of God and how that's supposed to work for you. The next time you're feeling powerless, the next time you're feeling the victim the next time you're lapsing into depression I'm not saying that we don't have these tendencies, I'm not saying these things don't ever happen to us but what are we gonna do about it in light of of that That's got to make some kind of a difference. We can't have business as usual with verses like that in our Bibles. In this kind of summary verse, Luke 17, Jesus said the kingdom of God, it isn't here, it isn't there. You don't chase the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is any place where Jesus Christ is allowed to be the king. And when he's the king, that means that he, his dominion is in effect. Somebody once said that in any situation you find yourself, you and Jesus make a majority. You like that? And somebody told me the majority rules. the kingdom of God is where it's it's within us it's not it's righteousness Jesus said it's peace it's joy you know those common little things that make us so we're not just spirit-filled grumps you ever met a spirit-filled grump I've met thousands of them you ever met a spirit-filled highly agitated, nervous person? I have. But if the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy, then maybe there's something inside of us that we need to tap into that we haven't found yet. The kingdom of God is within us. Well, and then we, then we write these post, post-it notes like this. This is a notion. I understand the sentiment, the emotion of it. But what we're talking about there, in my opinion, is a person whose concept of the presence of God is a feeling. And faith is not a feeling. We've turned it into a sensual thing. and that fails us when all the lights are on. Well, I want to conclude with this. Those of you that were at the Holy Spirit seminar might remember this because it's been revolutionary to me and I think we all need to find a response to it. It's not a new doctrine. It's just a way of explaining the way that God has very intentionally very strategically um, manifested himself to the human race so that we can get our heart and our head around him a little bit and have a relationship with Him. and it falls into three basic eras I mean you know this this isn't new there's the Old Testament era there's the Gospels which was the life of Christ and then there's the church era those days since the day of Pentecost that's that's the way Spiritual history is divided And it covers a period of thousands of years mm-hmm. And in all of these times Our Bible reveals to us how God was showing himself to people And it began with the God who was out there That's kind of safe for your first lessons on God It's kind of, kind of good to have kind of God out there And he began to manifest himself to his people. And the way he did this, and if you'll take a King James Bible, I don't know if any of you have ever seen a King James Bible before. (laughs) We used to read these, but the uh, King James Bible, which of course was the Bible that the Apostle Paul used. uh, Somebody said, I didn't know that. No, that's okay. (laughs) I mean, back in the day when we were all using the King James, you'd have thought people thought that's what it was. But anyway, the King James Bible uses this language over and over and over again in the Old Testament and the Spirit of the Lord came upon and then it'll give somebody's name. Like Deborah, we were reading about Deborah this week. Moses. I mean, these are the big dogs, you know. These are the, this is amazing people. In fact, they're, they're so important to us that we can tell their stories and we can, we've named our kids after them. Because the Spirit of God came upon these people and they did exploits. But if you read very carefully the the Old Testament while the Spirit of God was coming upon these people and they were doing miraculous things that everybody else was simply watching and benefiting. And it was kind of an audience concept of the presence of God. And then then we moved into the second era which was this brief period of time when the living God was here on earth in the person of Jesus Christ and we have the God with us. That must have been an amazing time to live. Can Can you imagine that? If you'd have been fortunate enough to be a person that was in proximity to Jesus during that period of time, maybe one of his disciples went to Jesus Christ Bible College for three years, you know. Fed you miraculously, paid your taxes. (laughs) Whenever you weren't sure what to do, you just kind of looked at him and looked at him and watched how he handled the situation and said, I guess I'll do it that way. It was great. The amazing thing to me about the time of Christ is that there were thousands and thousands of people who followed him and hung around with him at certain times particularly when they, like, needed a miracle. You know what I'm talking about? But, you know, when it was all said and done at the end, there was just a handful. So people were coming and going, whatever met their their schedule, their agenda, their convenience. They used Jesus. And, And then you get into this, uh, third era which is the era of the church where you and I are today was commenced on the day of Pentecost when tongues of fire appeared over people's heads which you know what that is don't you that's just a picture of the Shekinah glory pillar that was over the temple and the tabernacle in the Old Testament so basically what God is saying is I'm in you I'm with you you're the temple you're the tabernacle It was an amazing sign on the day of Pentecost. I've always thought it's interesting that people who say, well, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got to speak in tongues like the people did on the day of Pentecost. Well, why don't those people say, you've got to have a tongue of fire over your head too. (laughs) I don't know what happened there. But nevertheless, we we systematize God, and we live in a period of time now where Paul just kind of said, hey, don't you realize... The God lives in you now. Now, that's an interesting little history lesson, but let me ask you a question. Oh, I got a little slide for that. There. Where are you with this? Are you stuck in the Old Testament? You waiting for God to show up? Are you one of those kind of people that likes to go to places where some idiot says, and the man of God is in the house. Oh, my Lord, every time I hear that, I want to puke. (laughs) That sounds like Elvis Presley or something. Stop that. Don't do that. Don't get into that. No, God's in us. He's not doing the Old Testament thing the way that some of us would rather just get in a line and buy somebody a Learjet to take care of us. You say, well, none of that's right. None of it's... No, no. Praise God for whatever happens. But in the meantime, most of us are sitting around watching. That's the tragedy. Did you hear me? Thank God for those people, but we're just sitting around watching and waiting and begging for the presence of God. And all the time, He's here and then some of us are stuck in the Gospels I mean how can you pick on the Gospels using Jesus walking in and out of a relationship with him whatever is convenient sometimes you're there sometimes you're not sometimes you're spiritual sometimes you're not I'm not going to judge people's salvation that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about the effectiveness of the presence of God in my life and through my life in my community which is what we should be concerned about not what is he going to do for me today everybody's saying what can God do for me I want to ask you a question What can you do for God? There's a different paradigm. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to invite you into the church. I'd like to invite you into the era of the progressive revelation of God where you come to understand that God is in you and that doesn't make you a God. That means you're a child of God. 24 and seven isn't that beautiful now look at this we all need to get one of these let's get some of these made okay wear it say I couldn't wear something like that then wear it under your clothes like Superman under his suit take a look at it now and then make some pajamas out of it maybe you'll sleep better some of you spirit filled Christians that can't sleep at night Whoa, see, only an old man can talk like this and get (laughs) away. Take a look at it in the mirror the next time you're sick. Changes the perspective. God lives in me. And this kind of summarizes it all. This is an amazing doctrinal verse. You, however, Paul said, are not in the realm of the flesh. Well, that's the problem. We're not supposed to be. But you're supposed to be in the realm of God. So you have a worldview that God dominates your life. It doesn't make you weird, but he dominates your life. He's at the center of your life, not your pain, not your problem, not your career, not your boat, because these things are going to all let you down, no matter how cool they are, but you are in the realm of God, the kingdom of God. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, that is the characteristic of a person living in the realm of God, that they understand that the Spirit of God lives in them. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of God living in them, implied, they don't belong to God. So if you're running around saying that the Spirit of God isn't with you, you don't have an understanding of who you are in God. And you're going to sell yourself short every time. But if we can get this straightened out. Hey, listen. If you could get this straightened out half the time. It would make one heck of a difference in your life. Some of us. There it is. I belong to God. Turn to the person next to you and tell them that. You believe it? Well, if you belong to God, that means that God lives in you. And if God lives in you, that means that He lives in you all the time. And if He lives in you all the time, then that means that you can live your life the way God intended for it to be lived, at least most of the time instead of some of the time. So you know, my my concept these days of communicating with people about the things of God is I, I'm not here today to impress you. I'm not here today to scold anybody. I'm not here today to complicate Christianity any more than we already have. I'm trying to simplify it. Yeah. Not because people are simpletons, but just that it's, it's, we've complicated our faith. And we need just to get back to the basics. Does this make any sense to you? Because it's this basic faith that I'm talking about where you like believe that God's with you all the time and you're not spending half your time begging for him to come. Mm-hmm. That you can actually see a difference in the quality of your life and make a difference in the quality of your world. Which is what I understand to be the reason that we exist. So take this to heart today. Think about it. If there's something I've said or the way that I've said it that you can't handle it, then spit it out. But ask yourself the question, am I living in the Old Testament? Am I living in the Gospels? Or am I living in the Church? Thank you for listening to me. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together today. We thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And I pray that the scriptures that I have shared today would become flashlights that would shine into the middle of next week for people that are having difficulty overcoming In areas of their lives. Because I know that you are a good God. And I know that you want to bless us. And I believe, Lord, that you want us to understand. That the only thing. That separates us from what we need from you. Is our own confusion. And so I thank you for your help with this today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.